and welcome to our very first Business Doctor podcast from Moore Kingston Smith. I'm Claire Howell, a partner in our city office, and I'll be your business doctor. Over the coming months, I'll be joined by colleagues, all specialists in their fields, to analyse the challenges businesses such as yours are facing and looking at how to maximise on opportunities, offering practical real world solutions. Today, I'm joined by Jamie Sherman, who's here to discuss cash flow and some of the things you need to consider as we navigate the economic effects of the pandemic. Jamie, welcome. Thanks for joining us. We've had several discussions on how our clients can plan for cash flow. And I also know that you're particularly busy at the moment supporting clients on this particular topic. Yeah, thanks, Claire. It's um, delighted to be here. It's, it's certainly a topic that I've discussed with many clients over the past few months or, or probably last 12 months, considering the pandemic's lasted that long. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's a crucial area I see at the minute, mainly just around planning for the future. You have to, you have, to have a, a detailed plan as to how cash resources, how much is going to be available, whether there's any pinch points, etc. So yeah, very much a hot topic at the minute. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And it's, it's being able to plan for those multiple scenarios as well, isn't it? Um, it's critical that businesses aren't just expecting to go from A to B, but there could be deviations on the route as they go through. Yeah, certainly. And I, and I think that's one of the key points around any good forecast model is it has to have different scenarios included in it. And I, I always say to all of my clients, you know, you need to have a best case scenario, uh, probable, i.e. a normal one, and then a worst case, or as, as one of my clients actually put it, an apocalyptic case. As uh, So, you know, what, what if everything, the taps really were turned off? And it, um, and ultimately, you just had the overheads to cover. So, so yeah, you have to have all those scenarios and being able to graphically visualize what those scenarios look like by a graph or something is, is crucial because that then gives you the visibility straight away to know that, okay, well, I've got a pinch point in May and by then I have to get some funding in place to cover that. Uh, even if it's a worst case scenario, at least you've got plans in place to, to make sure that you're not going to fall foul of, of having no cash available. And then that becomes a much bigger problem. Um, so yeah, that, that scenario planning is definitely the, the number one thing, the key thing that I look for in any forecast. And, and do you see your clients reviewing those scenarios as the plan and um, forecast evolves, you know, particularly perhaps for scenarios that may no longer be relevant or actually looking into the future and trying to predict, you know, what, what other impacts um, there may be on the business and how they need to adapt accordingly. Yeah, so this is actually an interesting point because with many clients, I've I've had this exact conversation. So the problem is a lot of historically, I think forecasting has generally been looked at as something I have to do once a year or once every six months, and it goes in a draw. And and that's there's you know yes, there's a point to doing it, but ultimately it's it's going to be of limited value to the business by doing that. What you need to do is have this as a document that's revisited as often as you can really, and you can easily flex the assumptions that you've put in it. As an example, an architect's practice that I was um, I was chatting with a few weeks back, one of the assumptions they put in is that 30% of the new work they're pitched for, they would win. So ultimately that then hits the, the top line in, in a, few months to, a few months later. What they weren't able to do is when they didn't win 30% of those pitches, to flex it and easily say, okay, well, actually, what if it was 20% or 10%? And ultimately, that's what they need to be able to do straight away. So having exactly as you say there, Claire, being able to change things easily 
and then see how that flows through to your cash in six, nine, 12 months, however long it may be, is critical in order to plan for those events in the future. Yeah, and I guess, you know, one point on that is having the capability to extract the data at their current systems that's going to be enable them to flex their, their model. Yeah, definitely. And that, to be honest, that's probably the biggest challenge is actually getting the, the accurate data uh, to be able to do this. So what, what you don't want is these things to all be sort of pie in the sky numbers that actually don't reflect any actual, you know, reality, really. So the key thing is do it on historic you either do it on historic or look at what you believe the future will look like. The problem we've had over obviously the last 12 months in looking historically is, um, is things have changed, you know, take, take the architect's practice I was talking about, you know, top line turnover has fallen. It's as, as much as I'd like to say it hasn't, unfortunately the sector has been hit quite heavily. So they've taken advantage of things like the furlough scheme of deferring some other, um, other sort of VAT and PAYE and, and trying to push out some costs but ultimately if they if they'd have done it based on historic results only that's gonna it's not it's not going to give a real picture of what the future looks like and although they may factor in or they have factored in actually you know a good 50 percent growth year on year from the 2020 results what it may only be that 30 percent of that materializes in the short term so it's again being able to help them address that point with the modeling and saying okay well that's a worst case scenario what's a what if it's only 20 percent as an example yeah no, no totally it's all very well isn't it understanding what your disruptors are currently but it's actually what they may be in the future and who knew mm. that the pandemic was coming along exactly yeah but at yeah. least it has given people a bit more focus on cash flow modeling because previously as i say a lot of them would just pop it in the drawer once they've done it and then revisit it a year later yeah, no, totally. What about those businesses, those clients of yours, Jamie, that are sitting on cash reserves? You know, certainly through the pandemic, there have been opportunities for some to grow profitable revenue streams. And as a result, you know, they could be sitting on surplus funds. And I guess those business businesses also who have accessed government, um, it, you know, initiatives, you know, they potentially could be um, sitting on cash as a result of those you know forecasting the repayment of them in the future what are you, you seeing your clients actually modeling that effectively uh effectively is probably the key word in that i'd say um, some some have some haven't so I've, I've seen various you know with my order to hat on and going concern being a key point i've i've seen a lot of cash flow forecasts over my time and certainly over the last 12 months i've had to scrutinize them a lot more uh, and to be honest a few of them haven't included say they've taken a c-bills loan and that's been free of any repayment for 12 months. That hasn't then been factored in to the future cash flow. So I've got one as an example, a tech client that actually they need to start repaying that in May this year. That hadn't been factored into their cash flow forecast. And ultimately, what it does is it takes them to, you know, in the red at that point in, at, at, in May. So, you know, they're going to need some funding at that point. And they'll, they'll, their plan is now to go externally, but without highlighting that point to them it would have been missed and they'd have got to may and ultimately had to start repaying the i think it's lloyd's who they're banking with with no no means of doing so so it's it's crucial for businesses that they do factor those in and i know obviously vat has been the, the option is there to defer it past march this year when it was originally due to be repaid so that's another thing that people are try they need to factor in and, and most of my clients have to be fair but there's the odd one or two that that does tend to forget these things 
Um, and unfortunately, that's a, a costly mistake to be made. Yeah, no, totally. I, I think we are seeing more and more clients coming to us, even if they do have their own models, um, you know, asking us to review them, mm. you know, critique and challenge them on some of the assumptions that they're making. Um, making sure that you know they're not missing out on the obvious as you've just quite rightly said yeah so definitely what about those businesses that that do have the cash reserves I mean they may feel that they don't need models you know what's your view on that uh, yeah and to be honest I've had that from some clients it's it's very much a kickback saying well we don't need this because we've got loads of cash in the bank and, and I say well that you know that's great don't get me wrong um, but everyone should have a plan you know what happens if if the the point you made earlier clay you know there's an eventuality that you just can't you know plan for at all something happens out the blue or ultimately someone wants to take a, some money out of the business you know it could be that it's say it's an owner managed business so a lot of our sort of clients are what if they suddenly have a big capital event and they need some cash out of the business well you want to have that in a scenario plan if um if i if you ever speak to any financial advisor they'll tell you that planning when you're going to spend your money is is crucial so it's it's also not necessarily just concentrating on the business, but what about the the owner's personal finances and, and understanding whether they want to extract any funds out of it. So another crucial element to it and having a plan around that is quite good because then at least you can visually see how that will look in terms of the business's cash if you do take those funds out. And I know as a, just as an aside, where there was a lot of speculation before the budget this week around whether tax rates would change. So I had a lot of clients asking me, well, what if I took a big dividend because the dividend rate's going to go up. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have a crystal ball, but luckily they didn't change anything on the uh, on the tax rates. But, you know, that may be something in the future to look at and having that model allows them to do so. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, one thing clearly that has changed is corporate tax rates. Um, you know, so helping clients plan for those future liabilities, um, mm. you know, which are now only a couple of years away, you know, is obviously critical too. And of course there are, some you know investment decisions perhaps to be made you know do you sit with cash surpluses you know in the bank or do you use that more effectively you know how can, how can you better you know get a return on on any investment yeah certainly and, and obviously this um in the budget this week they they announced the super deduction for any capital capital expenditure now i think as one of our colleagues in his video earlier this week tim stovold um did allude to maybe it's the the government's way of getting people to spend money before the tax rates go up and get their relief uh, early so to speak but yeah i mean there's definitely you know having a cash flow forecast can then enable you to make those decisions and if it is to reduce your corporation tax bill down now then that's you know that's a good use and and the other thing as well is with capital expenditure i think a lot more is forecast given the possible change of how people will work in the future and how office space will look and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's a, a crucial thing that should be built into any model and, and being able to flex that and say, okay, well, what if we spend a hundred thousand pounds on, on CapEx, how does that then affect currently our hundred thousand pounds spend, but how does it affect our corporation tax bill in a few years? Um, so yeah, certainly all, all things that we've been helping clients to try and um, understand. And, and also, this week, you know, I've had clients on the phone saying, well, what does this corporation tax rise mean for me and how much is it going to cost me when? And, and being able to plan for that is certainly crucial. Yeah, no, no, totally. I guess what we've been doing, Jamie, is focusing on the business, um, the enterprises effectively and the individuals who run them. But, you know, how should businesses be 
you know, thinking further um, afield, you know, perhaps their supply chain, um, their clients, you know, competitors, I guess understanding how those stakeholders are also navigating the crisis and the impact potentially on our clients' businesses as a, as a result of those external factors. Yeah, I, I, definitely. I mean, that's that's probably more crucial, was, has been certainly over the last 12 months more crucial than ever. So, you know, one of the things that every client told me at, at the start of the, the pandemic really was very much, we're keeping hold of all our cash as much as possible. So we're, we're sort of pushing out any payments to our suppliers. Now, the default position is exactly that. And what that then made me think is, well, you're doing that. What about the people that your customers that are supposed to be paying you? And, and ultimately, what I envisaged was this big sort of delay in everyone getting paid. However, what I was very surprised to see is that that just didn't happen. I mean, nearly every client I speak to across a variety of different sectors has said cash is probably better than ever. Um, or not necessarily better than ever for all, but cash, the, the, the repayment of cash or when you, the timing it takes to get, to get paid has been very good you know even even the architect sector is an example where construction has been hit over the last 12 months they've still been paid pretty promptly and and that was a big surprise to me um and what it meant was people were able to keep hold of the cash themselves not necessarily you know something that they should plan in because i always say pl sort of plan for the worst if possible in terms of your model but actually you can have a scenario whereby what if they pay us after 30 days rather than 60 or 15 instead of 30. So definitely um, crucial. And also then what's the knock-on effect for the, for your suppliers if you, if you pay them earlier? Because ultimately they may be in trouble as well, as you say, Claire. It could be that they're in a, an industry that's been hit badly by the pandemic and, you know, resourcing projects is, is also tough, is, as in, you know, delivering the service to you because ultimately they may have used utilize furlough and things like that and not add staff around to to deliver the service or products that you were buying in yeah no, no totally agree with that I, I think taking um competitors perhaps uh, as an example as well you know you can't rely on your competitors just always doing what they've done you know they may be taking advantage of opportunities um you know that have come out as a result of the pandemic and actually you know our clients might therefore be facing increased competition from new entrants um, into their markets or, you know, competitors who are finding different ways to do things. Yeah, certainly. And I've, I've actually had that quite a bit with the, um, with the architect sector around competitors doing things differently. And one of, one of the things I always say to all of my clients is, you know, you, you have to look at the market. The key thing is when you're setting any strategy is, is actually saying, okay, well, what are my competitors doing? What's going on in the market? Is there any innovative innovative ideas that other people have got or different ways of working that ultimately are going to, you know, potentially take our clients away from us or or give us a not a problem in the future, but give us an increased amount of competition? And certainly the architect sector has seen that over the past few years. It's the, the number of com competitive tenders is a lot more the number of competitive. Uh, competitors when you go to tender there's obviously got a lot a lot more it just means the conversion rates are then coming down so it proves more challenging and I think it's it then actually it's more of a strategy question as what are my competitors doing and what should I be doing I think once you've provided you've got your sort of finger on the pulse in terms of what they're doing 
it's it's definitely one not to bury your head in the sand and think actually we do what we do and, and we do it well so that's all I'm going to worry about and and I have had clients tell me that in the past so it's it's trying to make sure that they're definitely aware that they need to take notice of what's going on around them in terms of their competitors yeah no thanks Jamie I think just you know from this short discussion that we've had today you know cash modeling and forecasting is a much bigger subject than just that document you referred to earlier that perhaps you know business owners create and perhaps put away and and refer to very very occasionally you know we are being seen we are being asked sorry to um you know, to challenge our clients more on their on their modelling, the assumptions that they're using. Um, and certainly it's, you know, it's an area that we're getting more and more involved in, in terms of our clients' businesses. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's not a one-size-fits-all model, unfortunately, as well. It's, it's, you know, you do need to have a bespoke model for each individual business because all businesses are different. Um, there are some some shortcuts to some extent, but... I think it's it's certainly, as you mentioned earlier, you know, a lot more clients have asked us to at least review what they've got and, and critique. And I think that's been a really good exercise because then we were able to bring our experiences to, to the table and actually just say, well, have you thought about this? You know, have you thought about flexing or the sort of apocalypse case, as I mentioned earlier? What if? It's that, it's that what if and so what question. Um, and the more and more we do that, the at least the more robust these models will be. Yeah, very much aligning it to the business strategy as well, you know. It's essential, isn't it? Obviously, we've had um, the budget, Jamie, and furlough is going to be coming to an end um, at the end of September. You know, what about our clients um, who still have employees on furlough? You know, are we worried about their ability to continue trading once those employees come back onto the payroll? Um, yeah, and obviously it's, it's being phased like it was last year. Um, so it's going to be the, I think it's what, July, August, September that, that it'll be phased. Um, undoubtedly, there will be some some struggles, definitely, because it's going to be, you know, you're going from from a part payment, essentially, to a full payment of the salary. Some will financially struggle. Um I think one of the, the, within our insolvency team, one of the products they have or one of the solutions they've developed is um, is actually looking at monitoring their client's customer base to ensure that any detrimental sort of late payers can be identified as soon as possible. So that's that's one of the products that um, that has helped our clients. It's going to be a challenge, undoubtedly, for many of our uh, many of our clients and their supply chain, their customers and suppliers. But I think with the government initiatives in place, it, it should meet, and obviously a good cash flow um, forecast as to the fact that they're not going to get any cash flows from furlough in the post September. That they should be able to navigate it, provided they're planning early enough. That's the key thing. Is is now we've got certainty on when it's going to end and the numbers involved. In, in the certain months, people should be planning now as to how and when they're going to bring those staff back and, and what it's going to look like come October when there's no furlough around anymore. Yeah, no, thanks, Jamie. I think that's a really good point. Really appreciate you taking the time out to um, chat to me today um, about this this topic, which we've already said is, is far reaching and, um, you, you know, is, is a big topic in itself. 
I think anybody who has any questions or wants to um, speak further to either myself or Jamie, please do get in touch. Our details are on our website and we look forward to hearing from you.